<laughs> You're listening to the one of us.net podcast network. One of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads, but on a case by case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at one of us net at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, $5, $10, or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Do you love sci-fi, horror, and fantasy films? Then grab a badge for Otherworlds Film Festival, the country's premier sci-fi film festival. There will be Q&As, panels, parties, and mixers. Rub elbows with up-and-coming and established filmmakers, as well as like-minded filmgoers. Come celebrate our seventh year, December 3rd through 6th, at the Galaxy Highland in Austin, Texas. Badges are now for sale at otherworldsfilmfest.com. That's otherworldsfilmfest.com. think what Monsterland is saying, aren't we all really just the monsters? As well as the mermaids and the zombies and the witches and... Ah, but do they really exist or are they in your head? Hmm. Right? Well, I mean, he did have that one in the tank, so, I mean... Hulu's Monsterland is their new anthology series. It's eight episodes long. It is created by Mary Laws, who's a pretty long-time person working in television. And it's based upon the short story collection North American Lake Monsters Stories. I didn't realize that these were actually all based upon the same writer's stories, but it makes a lot of sense that it is, because I found that a lot of anthology series, you find that... They're so different flavored that it doesn't even feel like they belong on the same show a lot of the time. And that is not the case with Monsterland. They definitely feel organic to each other above and beyond the teensy bit of tying a thread through the episodes. They don't really care that much about it, but it's there if you want it. Just saying. Three or four stories. I think actress Catherine Dever was a little more available than everybody else was. I, <laughs> I don't know. Hey, if you get the gig. Take the gig. You work that shit, sister. Right. <laughs> well, joining me on this review is the thespian herself, Mindy. Hello. And then I've got Mark Prince. Hello, hello. And I've got Danny. Dog it. And we all watched the show, all eight episodes of it that are right under an hour long apiece. And I was honestly surprised to discover that this show was not so much a show based on any sort of really recognizable type of previously existing horror anthology. Maybe I would say at the closest Lovecraft country in the sense that both of them are really about social ills and social issues and the horror sort of plays with that. The difference being Lovecraft Country knows exactly how to throw in as much horror as you can possibly take. And this is like... Oh, yeah, this is supposed to be a horror show. Okay, and then something horrible happened. Thank you. That is the thing that pissed me off this entire series, is that the thing is called Monsterland. No actual monsters. To be fair, the acting is top-notch. In every single episode, they had really, really yeah. good performances. But it felt like, except for Plainfield, Illinois, and to a secondary extent, Palacios, Texas, the monster was an afterthought. 
And it's like, oh, crap, we have to throw a monster in. Here's the monster. And when <laughs> the main part of the story is human interaction and human drama and human vice, having this monster come in really just screwed up those storylines for me. And it felt like those storylines kind of went blah, 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 and didn't get any kind <laughs> of resolution i mean and they didn't have to have happy resolutions or anything but some type of resolution that made it seem like there was a journey that either ended or it's like here's the ending that implies a future that is nebulous but- i think we should say real quick that because we haven't mentioned every episode is named after a specific location yes. a place although apparently it was all filmed in New York, apparently. And so it's weird because, like, the New Orleans, like, I've been to New Orleans. That felt like New Orleans. So it's like... It did. You know, the coast of Texas. I mean, I'm sure we've all been yeah. there. Just once. Oh, you Seriously? you wow. unrefined Americans with your constant need <laughs> of some kind of monster to, di- to distract yourselves from the real demons in the world. Human beings. Yeah, and if they'd focused on that, that would have been fine. But then they just screwed with it. In the beginning of the first episode, we see a monster. In the middle of that episode, we see that monster reveal itself even more. And by the end of the episode, we find out the monster was us all along. And sometimes it is. This is definitely a show that, like I said, social ills are what they're trying to sell you on more than anything here. And I approve of that message, generally speaking. But a lot of this is like, so you're really doing one about oil tankers and pollution at this point? It feels a little, I mean, yes, it's still a problem, but along with everything else, it kind of feels a little dated. Like, yes, we all know this. And it doesn't have any solutions or even suggestions at solutions. It's like Passions meets Davy and Goliath. I think that a really great acting, and which it has so many really good actors in this, it really does, and incredibly well shot stuff, goes a really long way after I kind of got over the... Well, I guess this isn't really the type of horror I was hoping it would, and just is more of a general short stories with creepy aspects to them. Once I got past that, I was like, yeah, this is okay. These aren't incredibly well-written stories overall. They're pretty simple. But then most of them don't really know how to end. I I got so sick of the ambiguous endings. Thank you. They all have resolutions. All these episodes resolve at the very end. Not emotionally. Oh my gosh. Well, that's, you know, that's debatable. Take the Eugene Oregon one, for instance. I'll save my, my only thoughts about the first episode. Shazam! And that's it about that one. That was my (laughs) least favorite episode. I don't know how much I enjoyed how that one is the one that like kind of tie it in together with a lot of other episodes. How, how did you all feel about how this, these were all kind of connected? I mean, they only barely connected. Barely. And like I said, it's Caitlin Dever, who's a reoccurring character. So it's less that they dovetail into each other and more Don't that... get the pelican. And the pelican. But more that that character reappears. And I didn't really care when she appeared. It was like, oh, that's cute. It was not necessary, but it didn't bug me. It was just something else trying to keep a sense of some degree of continuity just as a series. And I was ultimately fine with it. It didn't hurt anything by her being there later on. But let's talk about episode by episode, and we're not going to spend a huge amount of time on this. So we're going through these fast. I'm just going to tell the basic plots of each one. Port Fourchon, Louisiana. That's the main Caitlin Dever one where she is a single mom and she's got a kid with emotional problems who screams all the time and sometimes bites people for no reason. She meets a serial killer guy and they kind of fall for each other. Only he's not your everyday type of serial killer. He is indeed a sort of monster, if you will. Next is Eugene, Oregon which focuses on Charlie Tahan, who you probably know if you watch Ozark, and if you're not, you really should be, because it's great. 
And he plays a guy who starts seeing shadow people in his house. And he, because of an online group he finds, he believes that they are causing his mom to get sicker and sicker and for him to get angrier and for everything in his life to go wrong. And the online group starts trying to get him to do a big thing. And you can see where this is going. Next, you have New Orleans, Louisiana. This is with a woman who realizes that her husband is maybe not everything that he said that he was as a successful doctor and that maybe he has a really horrific past. And it also has, I think, the coolest monster out of all of these, which is just sort of a New Orleans jazz man with demon mouth. The Devil's Horns, I believe, is the name of the band. And then there's New York, New York, with the great Bill Camp in it, who is like a rich piece of shit who basically owns Exxon. And he is making excuses in his own head for a huge oil spill that caused lots of destruction and he's being tormented with the oncoming end of his life and loved his performance but i didn't feel like a lot happened in that particular one plainfield illinois with taylor Schilling. it's the wife her wife has depression and manic episodes and suicidal thoughts and it's having to deal with letting go or not and just what happens when you're in a relationship with somebody with these types of dark tendencies yeah it's kind of unclear what that message was but i mean maybe it was holding on to grief too long i don't know Actually, that was the most solid one for me. When you're in a relationship too long when you shouldn't be and it's totally dysfunctional, at least one of the people is going to start rotting. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And then Palacios, Texas. This was actually one of my favorites here because I thought the monster was super cool and I like what they did with it, although it it was a super predictable way to end it, but I guess inevitable. But nonetheless, it's got Truro Tran, who's terrific. He was awesome in that, yeah. Yeah, but he is a fisherman who is hurt by said oil spills, the cleanup and the chemicals involved in it, and he can't fish anymore. And he's, I mean, he's crippled. And he ends up finding a stuck up in in an oil morass, a mermaid, and takes her home and what happens with that and then you have iron river michigan which a lot of critics are saying was their favorite of this whole series with kelly marie tran of course who was in the recent star wars trilogy playing a woman who's getting yeah. married it's her mar- her wedding day her sort of adopted mom if you will not in a technical sense is the mom actually of her best friend when she was in high school who mysteriously disappeared in the woods long ago and she is now sort of coming to terms with the fact that she basically absorbed her life she calls her mom mom She's marrying the guy that she was dating at the time. And maybe that all ties to something mysterious that goes on in the local woods. And then we have the last one, New York, New Jersey, with Luke Cage himself, Mike Coulter, who I was very pleased to see because I like him quite a bit. I was very sad when Luke Cage got canceled. And it is about a couple whose child has disappeared and they're having a real hard time dealing with it. Even more so than her, he cannot say goodbye and that of course leads to supernatural shit happening (laughs) i don't know about you guys like i said i i like the mermaid one for the the concept and the design i was one of the few ones that we actually get a really detailed monster in it proper every single one of these i think the performances are absolutely top notch there's no problem with the acting yes but the writing was you've got a good hook Where are you going with it i actually thought the first one was the best of probably the whole lot in terms of the writing it made the most sense to me. It really didn't start to real like really engage me until Plainfield, Illinois for me, which is the fifth episode. So in the very beginning, you have 
a violent murder, you have disfiguration, and then you have self-mutilation. And when it got to that third part, I was like, oh, really? It's like, it felt like they were blowing their wad. And so it's like, you blew your wad, and now you're trying to use that to sustain me for this long burn that in the end doesn't really, like many of the others, most of the others, doesn't really have a solid resolution. So it's like, well. The first episode for me had the scariest ending, actually. The most horrific ending, to an extent, because it's like, well, yeah. that was horrible, and I completely understand why you did that. Uh, I work with the kind of children that are featured in that episode, and I can tell you right now that it made the most sense in terms of a parent just being so overwhelmed by life and by her situation and by everything else that I, I totally got it. And I believed it, and the monster metaphor made sense. I mean, I think ultimately the biggest problem with this is they didn't all need to be like 50 minutes long. They should yes. have maybe kept to 30 minutes. Yes, that's the biggest problem with the show is the runtime of the episodes. Ah, man, I don't want to say this because I actually like the show a lot. This could have been a Quibi show. And it probably would have oh, been. Probably yeah, been I was thinking that too. 10, ten yeah. minutes for each one of these things, like it would have been tight. Yeah, but then no one would have seen it. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> For the type of storytelling it's doing, it drags it on considerably longer than it needs to. And I think that's because they are so determined to make each one of these a character piece. But when you're intersecting that with horror and yes. trying to get a reaction from the horror, yeah. it just feels dragged yes. out. That was my overwhelming feeling of this entire show is that it did not know what it was going for. Is it going for psychological exploration of the human condition? Is it going for monsters? And it's doing something in the middle, which meant it didn't do either well. At first I was thinking, is this just like white trash Lovecraft country? Sometimes. <laughs> like, instead of black people, it's about redneck. And I hated the fact that she showed up in the last episode. It's like, oh, geez, really? And because that kind of undermined her in the first episode. To have her show up again in Newark, New Jersey, and then be this kind of over-the-top character, honestly, it really undercut her characterization from the first episode. And I actually was pissed off to see her there. I didn't have a problem with that. I mean, she's on the run. She's like, just wants out. She's been traveling. That was established in the earlier episode oh, yeah, we saw her in as that. well. So I didn't have a problem with her being there. I did have a problem with the device of the final episode, which right. was the idea that these creatures are fallen from the sky that people refer to as angels for lack of having any fucking clue what they are they're like totally white skin aliens silent long nailed genitalless monsters that apparently their blood gives you uh, hallucinations and a sense of self-awareness about your situation i guess and it's such a convenient device that this is the one time that the show specifically goes, we really don't care about the horror stuff at all. It's just there to get to the other story that we want to tell. And I, it's the one time that I got super annoyed by it. The one line I had a problem with with that episode was that they were saying, maybe, maybe the angels weren't here to help us, but maybe we were here to help the angels. And it's like, no, that's not what this episode is about. That's really deep. <laughs> yeah. What does it mean? <laughs> There's a lot of confusion with the, the show that's so overt about what it's talking about in terms of the social issues for every single one it does stuff like that throughout it where you're like how does that tie into your fucking metaphor i don't think it does did you see the overall theme to all the episodes though what was that parental choice is affecting their kids in bad ways traumatizing them i can see that every story has an example of that even the uh, texas one which the guy had a good father the other character 
had a father who abused him. The New York, New York one has a guy whose father just said a bag. His you know, dad sucked. Traumatized him, basically. Yeah. The mermaid one, uh, what's it called? That one dude uh, was trying to form a father-son relationship with that one other guy. It just kind of shifts perspectives on parents and children and which way they're going and stuff. Could have called it parent land. So parents are <laughs> monsters all along. I always knew. Pretty much. That's what I got out of it. I, I, I suspected that about you, Danny. <laughs> All right, well, let's go to final thoughts here. We don't need to drag on too long. And for each one, please tell me what your least favorite episode was and your favorite episode was. And let's start with Mindy. As I said, my favorite one was Plainfield, Illinois, the zombie one. I think my least favorite one was the first one, Port Fortune, Louisiana. I went into this thinking this show was going to kind of be like Black Mirror. Like it was going to be using monsters to talk about human vice and find something about the human condition to explore that is more on the negative side. For chunks of these episodes, they did that. But then they're like, ah, crap, we have to add a monster, which derailed everything. And so it's like, like I said, other than the Plainfield one, none of them really had a satisfying resolution. It just felt like they had to throw a monster in to derail everything, which is really disappointing. So if you want that kind of psychological stuff, just go to Black Mirror, especially the early ones. And, <laughs> you know, this one's okay, but honestly, you don't really get much out of it in regards to what it is trying to portray about the human condition. All the acting is top-notch. It's just the writing falls flat. So I'm going to give it 5 out of 10 actresses who really should have gotten more praise from Star Wars. Man, I was so pissed <laughs> Agreed. that they were so mean to her. Okay, Mark Fritz? I liked about half of these episodes. I think my favorite was Palacios, Texas. I'm not trying to parallel Chris, but I, I kind of felt the same way. It made sense. If you know what mermaids or more accurately sirens are supposed to do that's what this monster does and it acts like a monster and it's regardless of whether it actually exists or not it's about this monster the other ones are all like it's very obvious that it's it's an analogy this one is more like yeah you could argue it it's the most concrete of all the stories the one i liked the least was probably new york new york because honestly we get it at about 10 minutes in you get where it's going and you're like okay just finish it and when it ends the visual gag is so silly that there's no horror in it at all. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's absurd. Although I can argue that that last <laughs> gimmick is my favorite character in the whole thing. <laughs> I thought the uh, atmosphere was excellent. It was really eerie, especially in uh, Plainfield, Illinois with Taylor Schilling. That was an excellent environment. Port Fortune, too. It just looks so dreadful to live there. And it reminded me of Riverside, <laughs> California. It's, it just You just want to get out. And even like I remember Michigan, it felt like Michigan. Those endless woods and nothing's happening and it's just dead. I like the various themes and I like what I, what I perceive to be the, the, the overall theme of parents and children. Honestly, I got really sick of the ambiguous endings. Well, what do you think? Well, you're telling me a freaking story. What do you think? You know, why don't you edit it better? Why don't you give it a damn ending? I understand one or two ambiguous endings. Like Port Fortune made sense to me as an ending, but so many of them didn't. And I was like, really? That's all you're going to say? Overall, I'm going to give it five out of ten really unique ways to commune with angels. Dog it. I prescribe to the uh, Donald Glover rule of thought as far as uh, creating products, which is it is not the artist's responsibility for you to know what they're talking about, unfortunately. <laughs> so I gave it a pass on that. <laughs> How I would describe this show is this is a very badly made cake that I still enjoy the flavor of. It's right. like, oh, man, the frosting <laughs> looks like shit. It's all lumpy. What's it called? There's obviously air holes all over this thing, and then you take a bite, and it's like, oh, 
I'll still eat all this in one sitting. That tastes fine. Yeah. <laughs> Probably my favorite episode is going to be Plainfield, Illinois. That's the one Taylor Schilling, right? Yeah, that's the zombie one. Yeah, the zombie one. Zombie one's the best one, I think, for me, because I think we're all going to have an experience of being with somebody who, like, begs us and tells us, we really shouldn't be together, and one of us being too hard-headed to admit it. My least favorite one is probably the uh, Eugene, Oregon, the one with the shadow people. Oh, I yeah, which agree. we barely talked about. I loved the visuals of it, though, the way they incorporated the chat. I, I, I understood what it was going for and all that, but at the same time, it's like, this is just Chronicle of Shadow People. <laughs> you know they're all the same, right? They cause everything. They cause all the wars, right? The shadows. <laughs> I think I'm giving this such a pass because of the season we're in. And I have a love for anthology shows uh, and shows like every episode's a different story and different cast. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed most of the stories. If you have the same weaknesses for these kind of things as I do, uh, this is a strong, a strong, powerful six out of 10 urban legends. If it wasn't for the too long running time and for the difficulty often trying to find a way to fuse the horror into the social consciousness stories, which especially in the last two feel like almost an afterthought added into it. Kelly Marie Tran one, Iron River, Michigan, is like it's literally in the last few minutes. You're like, oh, and by the way, this has got like a monster in it. You're like, okay. I'd rather cheesy one at that, too. This is one of the reasons my favorite is Port Forshawna, Louisiana, because I really thought it fused the monster story into it really well. And I found that story deeply touching. And that one is my favorite for that reason. Uh, I mean, for least favorite, it's got to be the last one, because like I said, the whole angel thing is just ridiculous. It doesn't fit the whole rest of the story. It, it doesn't fit the atmosphere of the whole rest of the series. I mean, it's close with New York, New York, which is also pretty bad. I mean, I would have given that a pass if not for how laughably <laughs> ridiculous the ending is of that episode. And oh boy. <laughs> but I said it before, the acting is terrific across the board. Even in the weakest of episodes, the leads in this ex- each episode especially are just nailing it totally. It's worth watching for that and for the little bits here and there that I thought like did pull off. I mean, I'd say there's three totally worth watching episodes in here and the rest are a mixed bag at best. I'm going to give this five and a half out of ten sexy reasons why the deep from the boys should not mate with fish. Jesus Christ, Chris. (laughs) Never works out well. You know it's happened, dude. (laughs) 